I'm Aria Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. We're in the middle of the WNBA semifinals and we are excited to welcome WNBA champion and current Dallas Wings head coach Brian Agler to the show to break down both series. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And don't forget to see the amazing staff's written content over at Winsider.com. That's Winsider.com and Patreon.com backslash Winsider. I'm excited to welcome two-time WNBA champion and current Dallas Wings head coach Brian Agler to the show. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to meet with us and discuss uh, the WNBA semifinals 2020. How's it going? Thank you very much for having me on. I, I think it's been very entertaining, and I'm anxious to see how all this plays out. It's it's definitely been entertaining, and, and we're definitely anxious to see how it plays out. Uh, we'll start off with the Aces Sun series. Maybe a little bit of a surprise to some of the listeners here, um, but I'm curious for you, kind of just start off the bat. Before this series started, and be honest, did you see the games being this close and Connecticut ha- being up 2-1 at the end of Game 3? Well, I told Kurt before I left that I could see them getting to the semifinals. That wouldn't shock me at all. I just, they were playing really good basketball. They, you know, everybody's journey down there was a little bit different. Theirs was one of, they, uh, you know, tried to add Dewana Bonner to the mix. They had a very difficult schedule early. I think they played Washington early when Washington was playing really well. And, they were losing a lot of close games, but the one thing that they have in their back pocket and it's starting to show right now is they, and especially when they've added Brian January. Okay. That's, she was, a, she's an element there that they added halfway through is they are really good defensively and they make it really difficult for teams to score on them. And enough so where, you know, they're probably not as good a perimeter shooting team as they've been in the past, but they're, the quality of defense that they have keeps them competitive with anybody in the league. And now they sort of have this X factor of their rallying around Alyssa Thomas. And of course she's just, you know, at times just dominating the game. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see how, how this plays out. Coach, so happy to have you with us. Um, excited to to watch you guys this year and, and, and Dallas's continued growth. I want to get to that a little bit later on. Um, but but back to just kind of the aces and sun. You mentioned Alyssa Thomas. Um, that's kind of what everybody's been talking about. Um, I think headed into this series, I was very curious, um, intrigued by just this matchup in general. Like like to me, this is a toughness matchup. Two teams that really can get physical. That really. Um, try to win those toughness categories. Um, I think we've seen that kind of play out so far three games in, but I'm just kind of curious, like, like, am I off on that? Are these just, you know, two teams that are, it's about winning paint points. It's about getting to the free throw line. It's about those hustle plays, those toughness plays. And because of Alyssa Thomas, that's why Connecticut's having so much success. I totally agree with you there to win a championship. at, At this elite level, it doesn't matter if it's the WNBA or the NBA, you have to, 
have some intangible ingredients of toughness, both physical and mental, um, to sustain a, uh, and to get a, a win in a series, to beat a really good team three times within five games. You, you've got to have that because all these teams in this league uh, are talented. Some are, are more than others, uh, and, and the teams are well coached. They're going to be prepared. So now, to me, it's going to be the intangible stuff that that you know will take over. And throughout the season, the regular season, Vegas really had this toughness ingredient that they would instill on you defensively. They would mm-hmm. get you shut down, and then they would also have the ability to score in transition. And of course, they are always going to be very good uh, in the quarter court offense, and they could run their stuff. Now, they've met their match now because Connecticut and part of why they're so tough right now is because of all the adversity they had to go through early in the season, taking losses. And it just toughens you up. It makes you it, it makes your focus switch and get stronger to have success. You know, they weren't worrying about five games into the season. They weren't worrying about winning a championship. They were just worrying about getting better and winning a game. And when you can – when you can get your focus that tight and you continually do it game after game, that's what gets you over the hump. And so I thought Vegas initially would go in and win this series, but the will that Connecticut's playing with right now um, is impressive. And I don't know if it's the will of Connecticut that's making Vegas struggle offensively or if it's, Vegas just not being in sync. I don't know which one it is, but it's it's definitely there. I don't think Vegas is clicking right now like they did in the regular season. Well, that's a perfect segue to this. I'm curious, what is going wrong for the Aces, and, and what do they need to change so far in this series to, to pull out a victory and get to the finals? Because I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, somebody else needs to step up besides Asia. I mean, she's doing everything for this team, but as we saw in the most recent game, in game three, like she can have a great game, but there's there's still some frustration and uh, lack of production from some of the other key players on this roster. Well, I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't probably the last six or seven minutes of game two, this this series had been over right now. Yeah, yeah. And, that's a good point. Yeah. And it had been over. And so they were lucky. Vegas caught a break that – Asia got freed up the last few minutes of that fourth quarter in game two, and Alyssa Thomas was out. They, I thought Vegas played better last night than they had throughout the game. They were getting a, another dimension from McCotry who's scoring a little bit, but the, which they're going to need. They've become, they've been, become single dimensional. They, everything's, everything is Asia Wilson and yep. Connecticut's doing a great job of congesting everything else. And they're almost, they're almost like challenging Vegas to take perimeter shots. And everybody's mm-hmm. hesitating. Now, they hit a couple last night. You know, uh, Camby hit one in the corner. Uh, Robinson hit a three. McCotry hit some perimeter shots. Uh, you know, there was a big call made last night that probably swung the game when uh, – Jackie went into the lane with the ball, shot it over beyond January, and the charge was called. That, To me, that could have gone either way. So that call right there probably swung the game because I think that shot would have put Vegas back up 
and maybe a got mm-hmm. maybe a three point play, but they went the other way. And I thought after that call, uh, Vegas just got out of sorts offensively. Yeah, I mean, there this was a game with fifteen lead changes and, and fourteen different ties. I mean, we you know, we I don't want to sit here and act like you know Connecticut's just dominating this series. Obviously, this is going to be a, a bloodbath until the finish. Uh, but for me, I, I agree with what you're saying. It, you know. For me, I, I I think it's Kayla McBride. You know, she, she's a bit of this X factor. And Aria, I know we kind of talked about this before uh, this series, that she's got to be making shots. She finishes one for seven last night. They're going to have to get more from her. And, and as Coach is saying, you know, a little bit more from anyone other than Wilson, you know. And, yeah. and I agree that, that that was a very pivotal moment. But before we move on, um, I think this is going to five. I have a feeling that, that Las Vegas is going to come out um, with with guns ablazing on Sunday, coach. What are your predictions? I think it's up in the air. I, I think that no matter what happens, you're not going to take away Connecticut's defense. You got to remember that they might have the best defender in the league in Thomas, but they also have two elite perimeter players. I think this is what Caleb McBride's facing. She's either get, getting guarded by Jasmine Thomas or Breon January, and trust me. I, I know how good those two are. They can really lock people up. Mm-hmm. And because of um, the lack of depth on perimeter shooting from Las Vegas, you know, they're very much a in-the-paint type team. They've had a couple games where they've, they've hit multiple three-point shots, but rarely. It's to the point now where, and I agree, Kalen McBride, someone's going to, Sugar Rogers, somebody's going to have to free up Asia Wilson. Can be somebody. I don't know who it's going to be, but that's going to have to take place. And uh, I, I'll tell you what. I it would not shock me at all if Connecticut wins the game, wins this in 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 four. If if Thomas can stay healthy, you know, health is going to play a factor in in both sides. Um, I thought we'd see more resiliency from Vegas down the stretch yesterday, but it's almost like they went the other direction. It just sort of Something's going on there. I'll be honest with you. When I see that team play now compared to where I saw them play in the season, they're not clicking right now. Yeah. And yeah. I think Connecticut's defense is frustrating them. that They're not. They're making it more difficult for them to score. And so when things become more difficult, how is your team going to deal with that adversity? And at, at this moment, Vegas has not figured that out. Well, as of right now, I mean, it's been a great matchup. And like you were talking about, the backcourt of Connecticut has been stifling the Vegas Aces. It'll be an interesting one, especially if Connecticut makes it to the finals uh, coming into the playoffs with a sub 500 record. Obviously that one will be for the history books of the WNBA, but I'm curious for you, something that often gets talked about in a normal season is, you know, going away for you're down two one and you have to go play in Connecticut or Connecticut has to worry because they're up two one and they're going to go play in Vegas and, and kind of that element of the home court advantage. So I'm curious for you, if you could, you know, shed some light through those experiences, the pluses and minuses, the positives and negatives of not really having that in this series for both series. actually. Yeah. I I think part of, I, I really like our playoff format right now. Now there's debate on should the first two rounds be longer series. And I I go back and forth. I, I think I do. Obviously we have our format set like this for TV. This is what, ESPN wanted, and we sort of tailored it for that. But I also think that there's an element here that we're forgetting about. You're, you, you feel like you're rewarding 
the top two seeds to get buys all the way through. But from my vantage point and being there, it, I don't like that because you lose your rhythm. And that's what Vegas did. They sat there for several days while Connecticut got two wins under their belt, got their got their mojo, got their rhythm back, got their confidence going, and then they come in and play Vegas and really throttled them game one. And then you saw what happened with Seattle, you know, after sitting out uh, several games in a time period and Minnesota coming in with some rhythm. Minnesota could have easily won that first game. Mm-hmm. And then if you add – I know I'm jumping to the Seattle-Minnesota. I'm just using it as, as an example. Right. And if you top that off with uh, Sue Bird and uh, Stewart both missing their last two or three games of the regular season, sitting out, they were – they're totally – They it took – Sue looks like she's more rhythm than, than uh, Stewart is at the moment. But there was an element there of sitting out, how it can take away from you as much as it gives you an opportunity to rest. Well, that's a, that's a, those are great points. Um, definitely, uh, you know, everybody wants those coveted double buys, but they definitely have their negatives. And I think it's important to, to kind of talk about it. And like you said, we've, we've kind of seen them play out, especially when you have certain key players basically sitting out for two weeks. Um, that yeah. definitely I'm, takes I'm, a minute. Can I add one, can I add one more thing to that? Going back Absolutely. to the home court advantage, I didn't get a chance to answer that. Sure. And I think because these these games, it's less of an advantage now to have the double buy to get because there's no home court advantage. Right. You know, you're sitting mm. there, and a lot of times your home crowd can energize you to get a win or two. You know, th- that's why you ha- want that home court advantage. You don't have the travel now where, you know, like, for example, let's go, let's look at Connecticut's situation. If Connecticut was as a seventh seed in a typical season, they would have traveled the game their first round and then they would have traveled to the second round so they've sat there and played two neutral court games in their first two rounds and that's been a benefit to them now i'm not taking away away anything from them i'm just saying that's it's just part of the process was part of what we're all dealing with that element of travel and playing away has not been a factor for connecticut because it doesn't exist Oh, yeah. And I would even top that and say, you know, is Alyssa Thomas able to play in game three? If you include in possible travel time that would have happened, would she be able to get the rehab that she needed to get to this point in play? I don't know. And to your point about about the playoff formatting, I love the playoff formatting. My one critique is the issue that I think has been brought up a good amount on social media, which is the three and four seed having to be put in a situation where they worked really hard to get those spots, but yet are a one and done. But then on the other hand, as you were talking about, if you give them a series, then that, that, that break that the one and two seed get is just that much longer. So it's an enigma. I don't have the answer for it. I just wanted to get in my two cents, but I know Rachel, you got, you want to bring up the, uh, the storm links. Let's run over there. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to the Windsider daily show. The only show that breaks down the games after they happen in depth, in detail. Winsider.com for all your written content and Winsider Network on your favorite podcast app for a collection of WNBA podcasts. Yeah, switching it over to Storm and Lynx. I mean, Minnesota almost stole game one. They did. Um, And I want to ask whether you're surprised by that or not. I think I probably know the answer. But as of right now, the Storm are leading to nothing. Um, You really felt like game one, Minnesota deserved to win that game. What are your thoughts, Coach? I thought I think Minnesota has played really well uh, in this 
series. I know that they're down 0-2. Um, I think Cheryl and her staff, you know, Flanette, Katie, Rebecca, all those people have done a remarkable job this year. And I've told them that to their face when I was down there. I, I really, my hat's off to them. They've done a really good job. Yeah. I think that um, I reason I say that about Minnesota playing well is because I, I keep Seattle in such high regard. You know, they're sort of the elite of the league. And I know how difficult they are to not only to defend because of how they can stretch the floor and they have playmakers on the floor and they have arguably one of the best ever point guards playing. And even though I know she's almost 40 years old, she it's not her physical ability, it's, it's her brain and her ability to think the game and massage the game and manipulate the game. That is why she's such a great player. And then you've got uh, Rihanna Stewart, who, you know, she could, you know, last two or three years, she had been easy to name her MVP of the league just because she's that versatile and potent offensive player. But to me, the, what the separating factor right now for Seattle, and without this person, this would be a 500 series, or maybe they could even be down, is Jewel Lloyd. I think Jewel Lloyd right now is playing her best basketball of her career at this moment. Not necessarily the whole season, but she's had some really good games. I'm talking about right now. She's hit some huge shots that have been very timely for Seattle when they've struggled to score. And uh, those three right there, you know, of course, you know, Alicia Clark was – we kept her, you know – uh, on the roster than Seattle when I was coaching. I have I know what kind of competitor she is and and their depth in the post with Howard and and Russell and uh the young Australian. Um they've got depth and they've got shooters off the bench. Um and they're they're tough to defend. And and not only that, they're one of the best defensive teams. They're very aggressive. They turn you over and I thought I think if Minnesota can still stay with this team as long as they don't turn the ball over and as long as Collier doesn't get in foul trouble. Yep. And last night she got in foul trouble and it just it it just really hurts Minnesota when she when she's not on the floor. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, for me looking at game 1, one of the big reasons Minnesota was able to as Rachel pointed out kind of felt like they they lost the game. They they could have won it. They should have won it. Uh, was Nafisa's ability to score at many different levels. But I'm curious for you, what has Minnesota been doing well that's kept them alive? Yes, they're down 2-0, but it's not as distant as that record might seem. Yeah. Minnesota's, first of all, they 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 execute their offense really well, and they're really solid defensively. They're not overly athletic. This isn't the old Minnesota Lynx of three or four years ago. This is a different type of team. More three-point shooting. They they put a plethora of three-point shooters on the floor. I think the key for Seattle, what they've done defensively that's got them to 2-0, is they've neutralized Dangerfield. Dangerfield has been the X factor offensively for them just because her ability to score at different levels. And, her you know, obviously she can shoot the three, but she's lightning quick. She's good in pick and roll, and she can get it to the rim. So Seattle is up 2-0. To me, because of how Drew Lloyd's hit timely shots and because Seattle's defense has neutralized Dangerfield, of course, that's Alicia Clark. They've got her matched up on Dangerfield. And, uh, but Minnesota's doing a lot of good things. They're efficient. 
They shoot the ball well from the three. They're solid defensively. Collier is a special player. Uh, she reminds me a lot of Swin Cash from this standpoint. Her motor continually goes. She never stops. If you she's gonna she's gonna outwork you every second of the of the game. And if you don't match that same intensity and focus, she's gonna take advantage of you. And um, in game one, I thought she did a great job on Stewart, especially down the stretch. Neutralized Stewart down the stretch. She's been so good. I mean, she's just like like canceling her out, especially down at the rim. Um, I mean, what she blocked yeah. her like three times, and she's been such a force inside, really elevating her play. Those final like four and a half minutes of the first half um, in game two, to me, were the deciding factor. You know, they mm-hmm. Seattle ends up going on a 14-0 run. Collier's yeah. on the bench in foul trouble. It almost felt like they really couldn't. They couldn't get over that hump. It was enough of a hole that they couldn't get quite over. And like, like to your point, it goes back to Collier being on the floor and just how important that is. Um, I, I don't know if Minnesota can steal a game or not. I hope we can push it to four. I guess we will see. I don't necessarily have a prediction. Um, but in your mind, Coach, what, what, what do the Lynx have to do on Sunday to steal one? Well, they got to keep Collier on the floor. they got to find a way to free up Dangerfield. They've got to get her into – double digits, you know, mid-teens, at least mid-teen scoring. Odyssey, to me, has been playing well. She's been aggressive. They're going to have to hit some threes, you know. Um, Carlton is, you know, in game one, hit some threes, and uh, she hit a couple even yesterday. But they're going to have to get more of those shots going. I think Donis has has played pretty well as well. But um, the key is call you're on the floor in Dangerfield, getting Dangerfield freed up and not turning the ball over. Because uh, if you get too loose offensively against uh, against Seattle, they're gonna they're gonna score on you in transition. And I think there's another element here. I, I see Seattle keep they're gonna steadily keep improving now through the playoffs because you know they haven't had Bird all year. They Stewart looked out of shape in Game One. She looked winded. They played her big minutes. They played her like mid 30s and minutes played. She looked winded. I, I give Cla- uh, I give Collier a lot of credit for defending her but at the same time I've never seen really seen Brianna Stewart succumb to that kind of defense around the basket one-on-one she usually finds a way to score out and that just wasn't happening so she looked tired to me but I see them getting started to get their legs now and um that that's to take nothing away from Minnesota I I look Seattle's a great team that's Minnesota has nothing to be ashamed of um, can they win the game in this series? I don't know. I think it's going to be really tough because I just see Seattle continually get better. And Sue Bird, look, she's been here a lot. She knows the value of uh, – she respects everybody in this league, and she knows how a team can lose momentum. So trust me, they're not talking about, you know, letting up. They're only – they're going to put the, their foot to the, to the gas pedal right now, and I think they want to get this behind them and really start focusing on one opponent to get – to try to win that championship. You guys heard it here from WNBA champion Brian Agler, current head coach of the Dallas Wings. We're going to catch those games this Sunday starting at 1 p.m. Eastern time, followed up 3 p.m. Eastern time, Seattle, Minnesota. But, Coach, before we let you go, let's talk Dallas Wings for a second. You know, you guys barely missed the playoffs. I mean, it came down to the wire between you, Washington, 
and Atlanta. Um, I know that had to be kind of gut wrenching, especially that final game as you were were waiting to see if you were going to make it in or not. But you had some big time, you know, you know, plays out of Arike who had a phenomenal year. Uh, she was outstanding. Her game continues to elevate. I mean, to me, in my opinion, it's just a matter of time uh, before we're talking about her as an MVP in the league. But coach, just some of your initial thoughts now that you've had some time away, you're out of the bubble, you're able to reflect on your season. Uh, how do you feel about your team right now? I really like our young core. We've got a, a core group of people that really want to win and are willing to do what it's going to take to win. And look, it's a lot easier said than done in this league. Um, we do have a really young team. There's a lot of things that they have to learn, uh, learn about and learn how to play together uh, against these really quality individuals and teams that we're playing against. But, with our draft picks, Satu and Ty and Bella, and in our second-year players, which we have obviously Enrique and Marina and Lou, um, and you throw in there Alicia Clark, Alicia Gray, um, you know, there's there's really a good core group to build around. And I know I might be missing some people here, but um, you know, that's a that's a really quality group. And they are really bought into growing together. And I think that's really important. We have to get better defensively. You know, in the last 12 games of the season, which is a little bit over half, we led the league in scoring. So we're able to do that. And I think we would get better at that when we keep adding um, uh, draft picks and hopefully get have some luck in free agency and keep keep tinkering with our roster and those things. Um, but as, as long as we will commit to the defensive end, then I think we can get real competitive. Um, so it's exciting to uh, – I haven't coached a young team in a while. So um, I'm used to coaching these veteran players, and we're you know used to really competing at this time of the year to get into the championship. But it's also refreshing to help mold a young group and – teach them how to be pros, teach them to how, to how to have success in the WNBA, and hopefully teach them the ingredients it takes to, you know, be a championship contender. So you touched on these young players, a player who I've just been amazed with, who I don't think has gotten enough attention or media coverage this season, was Ty Harris. I mean, Throughout the season, she looked ready for the moment. Obviously, there were some rookie moments, but she looked so calm, cool, and collective, making big shots and just head-turning plays. Talk to me a little bit about Ty Harris, what you saw from her growth uh, in her rookie year and kind of what we can expect from her coming into her second year. Yeah, she's she's gonna, she's got a chance to be a really good player. You know, I, and I'll, the reason I say a chance is because I also know that you have to put a lot of individual work in and the, the players that will will do that will be the ones that stick on rosters and then will take advantage of their opportunities um if you look at this league right now and i'll say this about every team you know if you look at each roster a, a third of these players on these rosters will not be in a part of our league two three years down the road it's just a, a, that kind of turnover with salary mm -hmm. cap issues and new players coming in, some players really working at it, some players not working at it. It just it just happens that way. Ty is one that if she puts her, her time and effort into the game, and she's over in Turkey right now, 
she's got a chance to be a really good point guard in this league because she thinks the game. She's a, she has a seriousness to the game. She, th- she understands the game. She, you know, she, she, she talks coach talk, you know, and that's coming from playing for Don down at South Carolina. She's been well coached. She's been challenged. She'll take on a challenge. And she's going to study herself, and she's going to study her opponents, and she's going to figure out what it's going to take for her to play quality minutes. And so I agree with you. I, I'm excited about her future. Well, you guys heard it here. That is Coach Brian Agler, head coach of the Dallas Wings, giving us his breakdown of the WNBA semifinals. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Hope you're enjoying your time out of the bubble, and we're looking forward to what is next with the Dallas Wings. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You have a good one, Coach. Thank you. You too.